Alrighty, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Na'ahmaduhu wa nasalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala and we seek blessings upon the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, <coughs> uh, can someone nod just let me know that you can hear me? Okay, good, good. Because it seems like with each class, uh, the numbers, mashallah, continue, but the number of people who, who hide behind a blank screen has been increasing. Okay, <clears throat> so, so here once again we are looking at the origin story in Ayahs 30 through 39. And in that process, we have looked at uh, the announcement, we have looked at the, uh, uh, the story of the prostration, and now we're getting into the story of the tree. So part of the fun <coughs> of the story of the tree is to look at not only what is being said, but as well as uh, what is not being said uh, as part of this process. And so oh, also before I forget, <coughs> um, uh, I don't know whose wise suggestion it was yesterday, maybe Romeo, just put all of the old lectures into a Google document. And so that is the address for the Google document. Uh, if you want to see the old lectures and whatever I could salvage, they're not in any useful order, but whatever I could salvage of the whiteboard screens are also there pasted in. And so, so uh, if you miss other lectures, inshallah, you can, you can get the, get them from, from uh, uh, that website. Although we're, we're, we're essentially coming to the completion of, of the course. <coughs> so, so once again, first let's look at the ayat that are relevant in Google Chrome. So keep nodding your head if you see Loyal out there. Yeah, okay. So once again, we have Al-Quran. A little bit too far. So, we said I have 35, <coughs> I have 35 to 39 is, is the story of the tree and then Allah Ta'ala's final words on this. And, and so what do we have? Uh, a couple ayahs. And when we said, live, go live. Uh, you and your wife, you and your spouse, anta wa al-jannata. So go live in the garden. One of the first questions is, and this was a question that was posed yesterday that I realized I didn't get into, where is this all taking place? And so when we go through the commentaries and such, we find a number of theories. And, and so once again, switching from this to whiteboard. First, just the word Jannah itself. Some of you know I, uh, this is my first daughter's name, although her name is spelled differently. It's spelled with a U, not an A. So Jannah comes from the same root word that jinns come from. And what is the idea here? That which we're translating as the garden is the hidden garden. Now, <laughs> Among the theories for where are these stories taking place, one is, I'm just going to use the term paradise itself. 
That's one theory. Another theory is a specific part of paradise. Another theory <coughs> is a special place where paradise and earth meet. And then a fourth theory is a high place in earth. Not necessarily what paradise means. That seems to be the smallest of the major opinions. Uh, <clears throat> the refutation that is given for this one is that there's limits here. Okay, go anywhere you want. And as the eye will say, eat whatever you want, consume whatever you want, just do not come near this tree. So some people argue that, okay, that can't be paradise, paradise as we imagine it, because paradise, paradise as we imagine, it has no limitations. And this one seems to be the most common uh, opinion. Uh, I personally like this one only because Jordanians always claim that it's Jordan. Don't ask me why. I mean, everybody knows that it's there's a place where Earth meets paradise. It's Chicago. Anyway, uh, and this one seems to be a minority, minority opinion. So what does it seem to be the case? Uh, a specific part of paradise. Uh, number three, a play, uh, what does uh, this mean? That just try to imagine some place where heaven and Earth are meeting at some point. Like, for example, what is a place on Earth where we are taught this is a piece of paradise. Anyone? In, uh, in Medina, in the Rauda in Medina, we are taught that this is sort of a piece of paradise. What does that mean? What does that mean in manifestation? I will tell it knows. And so, are there other places like this as well? Maybe. Uh, but, uh, but again, the most common reading seems to be some specific part of paradise. Another point to think about is that, so this is the third of three stories. Is this chronological order? First, Allah makes an announcement. Then we have the prostration. And then we have the event of the tree. Maybe, maybe not. Who knows how time applies? in terms of uh, that realm. So, so going back to the ayah. Uh, so, so you and your wife, Eve, by the way, is not mentioned. She's referred to as his wife. We know her as Hawa uh, from outside of Quran. Okay, and eat you too from it, you know, whatever you want, anything. Okay, and do not come near this tree, <coughs> or you will be volume. 
Anybody remember from your notes how we translated this? We said the literal translation of volume is is to is uh, or volume is darkness. So this would be one who causes darkness. And we said in Quranic context, it often uh, uh, is interpreted as something else. Not quite wrongdoers, but something a little bit different. Anybody remember from your notes? Oppressors, yes. That if you go near this tree, do not come near this tree, because if you do, you're oppressing, you're oppressing who primarily? You're oppressing yourself. Yeah. And then what happened? anha. So shaitan comes along and he makes them slip. He removes them from the state that they are in. Now, what is some of the story here that we find in other parts of the Quran? Shaitan comes to them and says to them, uh, this is the tree of immortality. If you partake of this, you'll be like the angels. So it's good for you. And they forget that they're not supposed to go to the tree. And they go to the tree. And they've partaken. And then what happens, <clears throat> they get exposed to their nakedness. And so one of the first feelings that they experience is embarrassment or shame. And then related to that, they feel a different experience, which in our language is remorse. And so that we find in other passages uh, outside of Surah Al-Baqarah, but in the Quran itself. And so, so let's just map this out to, for us to keep there again. I hope I'm not giving you a headache by going back and forth like this. Once I figure out how to stay on both screens, life will be good, inshallah. Okay. So what are the parts? Okay. Uh, we'll call this a prohibition. Uh, are you able to hear me now? Some people are saying that. Yeah. Okay. Prohibition on tree Okay. This is the tree of immortality. And then Adam and wife. They go to the tree. Go to. They get exposed to their nakedness, then they feel shame. And because they went to the tree, they feel remorse. Then what happens? <clears throat> yeah. Okay, then what happens? <clears throat> So 
So I, I drive my nieces crazy when I go back and forth from screen to screen. And so hopefully this does not drive you as crazy. Okay. <laughs> and we said go down all of you. Okay. Small subtle point here is when Allah Ta'ala is saying, you know, you and your wife in, in paradise eat whatever you want. He's using the dual form. Okay, so what are we saying here? That uh, in Arabic, for those who don't know, there's single, dual, and plural, right? Most languages have single and plural. Arabic has single, I'm referring to you individually. Dual, I'm referring to you two, plural, two or more, three or more. Okay. And so when he's telling them, you know, go partake of whatever you want, don't go too near the street, he's saying, you too, you too, you too, do this, you too, don't do this. When he's saying, descend all of you, it's plural. Okay. Subtle difference that may or may not have meaning, but not insignificant. All of you go down as enemies to one another. Okay. And you will have in the earth for a period of time, some uh, provisions, some, some, some work. Yeah. Uh, there's a whole interesting story about this one scholar who was looking for the meaning of Mataun and he couldn't find it. He, he started traveling around and then he saw some dad telling his kid to get this one tool and, it was, and the word was you know, Mataun. And so the idea that's understood from here is that you will be in the earth toiling for a period of time. And then what happened, <clears throat> or at the same time, uh, Allah Ta'ala gives some words to Adam, and then Adam received words from his lords. Okay. So, uh, let's put this back in our chart, once again. So they get exposed. And here there is a big question about order of events. And what else does he do? And what are these words that he gives them? He gives them a prayer for what to do. And uh, one of you Hafiz kids, can you remind us where is this du'a? Rabbana thalamna anfusana. It's in Surah Al-A'raf, I believe. If you can find for us the exact number. Uh, so he gives them a du'a for seeking forgiveness. And they make this du'a. Yes, sorry, uh, can, um, what I uh, I twenty three? Fantastic. 
and that is granted. Okay. And then he gives them final words, which we'll look at in just a second. Okay. So, <clears throat> prohibition on the tree, don't even come near the tree. Good. They go to the tree, they feel this feeling, and then he teaches them what is the dua to make. So what are some initial lessons to take? Just from the story itself, here is the story. Okay. And then they're being sent to earth. So here's the question. If they're forgiven, why are they being sent to earth? If they're forgiven for this. Okay. Sammy, you're saying it wasn't a punishment. Please explain. being sent to earth if they're forgiven because they were created to fulfill the purpose of being a khalifa remember the beginning of this section ayah 30 Allah is telling the angels that he's going to make a khalifa in the world and so they're being sent to begin their job okay so if their whole purpose was to go to the world then what is the point of this exercise with the tree what would be wisdom we can derive from that Anybody? So once again, Lathe is giving us our free will predestination to teach us forgiveness and asking for it. Yeah, and so what are we being, this is, what is the event with the tree? It is training. And the training is that sometimes you, okay, so here's your job. Your job is to be the Khalifa. Sometimes you're going to go astray or sometimes you're gonna make a wrong choice. What should you do? Make du'a and come back. Seek forgiveness and come back. That is what you should do. So, <clears throat> what else are we saying here? Now we have, we were setting the stage for the final words from Allah, and then we'll go back and look at a few more pieces from this. Once again, stop here. Go back to this. So Adam received words, uh, some words from his Lord. He received the dua to say. And he accepted his repentance. Here's how you seek forgiveness. Here's how you address that feeling. They said it. They sought repentance. They sought forgiveness. And it was granted. Because Allah is tawab ar-Rahim. And then now finishing off this section, we said, go down all of you. And here's the closing words. When guidance comes to you from me, whoever follows my guidance, they have no fear, nor shall they grieve. But those who reject kafaru, we've talked about kufr, those who reject our ayats, our signs, our, our, our teachings, the ayatina, and accuse it of being a lie. Okay, here it says to deny they'll be companions of the fire where they're going to be, where they're going to remain. So, so, once again, come back here to our wonderful whiteboard. I think I'm enjoying the whiteboard way too much, especially for all of, for all of you. So let's go to the next page. 
you follow my guidance. The result, the result is, what does the exec say? No fear for you, no grief. Reject. Eternal doom. So <clears throat> what is the point here? The point being that you have this uh, this mission in the world. And if you do not, if you follow the mission, you need have no fear nor shall you grieve. If you reject, okay, you're doomed. That's a repeating pattern throughout the Quran, meaning Allah is going to give us the instruction manual, follow it or not. Uh, what is the relationship between fear and grief? Because this is a pair we find very frequently in the Quran, or what are possible relationships? Depression, anxiety, very, very interesting. They build upon each other. How do they build upon each other? Fear future, grief past. Yes. The easiest way to think about this is what is fear? Yeah, so fear is before something happens. Grief is after something happens. So if I have fear, it's referring to the future. Yeah. That I don't want this thing to happen. What is grief? It's referring to the past. This thing that I didn't want has happened. So at one level, what we're saying is that if you follow the guidance of a law, yeah, uh, are you never going to have fear? What do you think? Are you never going to have grief? And what's the easiest way to test it? Is the prophet peace be upon him. Did he have grief? Yeah. Did he have fear as well? Of course. But what do we say here? You're not going to be consumed in it. That's one level. And then at a deeper level, what is the prescription here? It's to live in the moment. To be present in the moment. Because what is a very common issue, for example, uh, with, with my undergrads, but not limited to them, is that they get consumed with anxiety about the future. And they're not living in the moment that is right in front of them. Is what is the prescription? Do live the moment that you're in properly. Otherwise, am I going to graduate? Am I going to get into med school? And is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? You're not paying attention to what's happening right in front of you. And that is another one of the ongoing themes throughout the entire text of the Quran. Be present in the moment. That's the modern contemporary language. Be in the moment in front of you. Do not be overwhelmed by grief or fear. Now let's go back and look at a few more things. Uh, to your question, Sodom, should there be a balance? Yeah, but that's an answer to literally every single question in Islam. Like if we made a list of all the answers to all the questions in Islam, one is it's context, right? We have to look at the context. Another one is it depends upon your intentions, right? Another is we have to have balance, right? So, so the point I'm making is, yeah, there should be balance, but I mean, that's an answer to everything. So, so make your point, your question even deeper. Okay, so going back to this event, uh, one is la taqrabu. Okay, do not go near the tree. 
as opposed to do not partake of the tree. A small side point, so there's no fruit here in this story. There's also no fruit in the, in the Bible either. There's no evil apple. That's Snow White, okay. and more recently, Twilight. But the point here, uh, what lesson can we take from the fact that the pro where Allah Ta'ala is saying, don't come near the tree as opposed to do not partake of the tree? What do you think? Reflect, what could it mean? I wish this thing would tell us that people are typing. Don't let yourself get tempted. Yeah, prevent temptation. And so, so with quite a few sins, they can become a slippery slope. Once you come near the cliff, you might start sliding down before you know it. And then the people say one thing led to another, right? And so don't even come near the tree. And then this is also the uh, reverse uh, or the inverse of the metaphor that you find in a lot of Sufi literature about the moth to the flame. That if the moth gets too close to the flame, the moth will not only get burned by the flame, the, burn, the moth will get devoured by the flame. But there, that's the actual intention, to, begin, to get close enough to Allah Ta'ala where you cease to have any identity and such. But that's a little bit uh, more intermediate or advanced. And so, yeah, as far as I'm saying, it's cutting sins off uh, uh, at the root. And then when we speak about, about the tree itself, here it's, Shaitan is saying it is a tree of immortality. Is it? Allah knows. Yeah. Meaning in the Bible, there's two trees. There's a tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And in the biblical narrative, if you take it literally, they're going to the tree of knowledge. And that has created a whole, whole ethos, an anti-knowledge ethos that sometimes resurfaces, as is the case in the political right today. Um, uh, the conversation that Dr. Mahan and I uh, had in this class uh, toward the end of a class a couple of moments, ago, a couple of nights ago, uh, when we were talking about the dominionists, there's this anti-knowledge attitude uh, that's there that you can tie directly to, to, to these events. And let's see what else. Oh, okay. So when he sends them to earth, it's plural, three or more. So who do you think is included? If Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, are being sent to earth, who else is being sent to them? And the second is that he said, you'll be enemies to each other. So one understanding is that Shaitan is also being sent down at that moment too, that Iblis is being sent down. Another, which is probably more of a modernist reading, is that all these humanoids are also being sent down. That's best, it's fun to think about. What about the enemies? Who's an enemy to whom? It says you'll be going down enemies to each other. Oh, that's an interesting point, Asarim. Uh, so your nafs is your enemy. I think that's a really good point that I haven't come across, but I'm sure that's part of it. So one understanding is, yeah, shaitan to humans. Of course, what's the fond understanding? Men to women. Okay, in any case, uh, taking this further, teaching and prayers for guidance and such, and I think those are uh, all, all the big points. Having said that, uh, let me open up. Uh, this is a very, very, well, it's already eight, nine, nine o'clock. Uh, let's open up the floor for questions about anything at all. 10 o'clock, yes, mashallah. Yeah. Oh, yes, some of you are here way past your bedtime. And some of you all in Hawaii are here way, way before your bedtime. So.
So were they sent down as a punishment? This comes down to whom you ask. So we can make the argument that the whole purpose of this event was to put them through training to have them sent down. But when we look in the Hadith literature, it seems that Adam, peace be upon him, is feeling great remorse for all of this. And so it is still understood by many to be a punishment. Uh, and I think you can argue it both ways, that it is a punishment and it is not. Uh, but fundamentally, uh, we're on earth. Now, you've also reminded me, there's one interesting point. Uh, compare Shaitan's case with Adam and Eve's case. Prostration, Shaitan refuses. Every request Shaitan makes, granted. Tree, Adam and Eve go to the tree. The request they make gets granted. What's the difference between the two stories? Every, every prayer was, was granted. Every request was granted. And so what is the essential difference here in terms of the story of Shaitan and the story of Adam and Eve, peace be upon them? Uh, that Shaitan never asked for forgiveness, right? Shaitan, he, he refuses to prostrate, even if the command is not for me, I'm never prostrating. He hides behind arrogance, and then he says, don't send me to hell now, send me to hell later. Doesn't take ownership for his action. And then he says, because you made this happen to me, speaking to Allah, he's saying this, I'm going to take everybody down. He doesn't take ownership. Adam and Eve, peace be upon them, immediately take ownership immediately make this prayer for request, and then it's granted. And so we often frame this as the fall of humanity. It is also the fall of the devil. It's especially the fall of the devil. In these ayat, Iblis is now referred to as Shaitan without an explanation of why his name was changed. Can you comment on why he gets a new name? So here we have Shaitan, like with a big S, a big Sh, and, and then lowercase. So Shaitan is a general term for someone who causes disorder. And so, uh, as is the case with uh, Desi parents, I don't know if it's the case with Arab parents, uh, Desi parents, one of their exception, expressions of love for their child is shaitan keolad, right? You know, the spawn of the devil. But the point being that uh, I think that is uh, more, not so much a name as much as it is an attribute. Uh, let me know if that makes sense. If one were to understand it as a punishment, would the punishment be that they were cast away from Jannah or that they were sent down to earth? Because how could being sent down be a punishment that this world should be a test? Deep question. The punishment is because of the disobedience of Allah, if it is a punishment. And then the manifestation of the punishment is, is that they get sent to earth. And so their test was the obedience of Allah. Whereas for us, our job is not their punishment. Our job is to be the Khalifas of Allah of the earth. See what I'm saying? Meaning we don't believe in original sin. That we believe our purpose was to be sent onto earth. And so another way to think about that is that if we look through the lens of predestination, from the moment of creation, through the Big Bang, through evolution and everything, we had to reach all the way to this point 
in, in the history of humanity for Sarim to be born, right? All of that was predestined. Sarim and his, his well, not Sarim, but Sarim's father and mother had to meet, get married. Sarim had to come along. And all that was predestined for Sarim to exist, for him to begin his tests. So whatever happened in the past is pre-written as far as Sarim is concerned. Let me know if that makes sense. Training interpretation begs the question of the beliefs have been instrumentalized for our training. Absolutely. That, that if we go back to the subjective and objective, that Iblis, one of his functions is for us as a way to turn back to Allah. And so one of his functions is to be the instrument of Allah for their training. Absolutely. Right? And so what are we taught in terms of our training? There will be this external force that is an open enemy to us. Lutfi, why does our faith get to be tied up with Iblis if we assume Allah intended to test us with dunya in the first place? Was Shaitan and his temptations part of that as well? I think that's similar to what we were just saying uh, uh, regarding the previous questions. Would we still fall into sin without Iblis? What do y'all think? Would we still fall into sin without Iblis? I'll give you a hint. Okay, those of you, I should have changed the question. Those of you who are saying yes, why? Those of you who are saying no, why? I'll give you a hint. Think about what starts next week. Give me a hint. Rhymes with Ramadan. Yeah, okay, so Ramadan. And so what are we taught about Ramadan? That uh, uh, that uh, shaitan is locked up and such. And does crime suddenly collapse? No. Or if we even use the point that, no, I'm already you know, in the habit of committing these sins, then eventually, after fasting so many days, does crime decrease toward the end of Ramadan? Um, and vanish. I'd be curious if it decreases, but uh, the point is, the common understanding is that your nafs is worse than 70 shaitans. So even if there was no iblis, there would still be all kinds of sin, and all kinds of crime, all kinds of corruption. In the tradition, do we think of iblis as a separate entity, or do we think of him uh, as our nafs? So the iblis, iblis is different. He is a real thing external to ourselves, different than our nafs, but is trying to take advantage of our nafs. In fact, I have to make this uh, bigger. Let me know. Could we say our nafs is influenced by shaitan? Sure, but our nafs is different. The key point being that I'm the one making the choices. In verse 37, it says that Adam received some words from Allah and that Allah forgave him, building off what you were saying about Allah speaking to both Adam and Hawa. Why this verse all of a sudden is it shifting only to Adam? Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. Uh, 37. Interesting question. Don't know. Uh, uh, no clue on that one. That's a really, really good question. Uh, if anyone wants to jump in, um, you got me on that one. Don't know. Uh, I mean, it is commonly understood that they both ask for forgiveness and they're both granted forgiveness. Uh, but uh, why does Allah mention descending twice? That uh, Allah knows best. There is an understanding that you're going from the special place in paradise to this high place in, high place in earth, maybe Jordan, and then going down to the rest of earth. But I always understood it as one. This implied that Adam was more of a transgressor. Uh, I don't know that we would read it necessarily that way. Uh, it could be, and this is just nothing but speculation, uh, that 
the whole time the conversation is is Allah speaking to Adam, peace be upon him. And it's perhaps he is asking on behalf of his him and his wife, and thus the forgiveness is happening that way. Uh, but that is nothing but speculation. Um, let's see other questions that, that I may have missed. Um, I don't get how these eyes focus on living in the moment. Can you explain specifically what parts? Uh, that part is uh, having, uh, you need have no fear, nor shall you grieve. Fear relates to the future, like being focused on the future and grief being focused on the past. And so what's left? Could it be plural as in Adam and his children and his family? It could be uh, in terms of an Arabic form, but alayhi uh, uh, seems to be uh, singular. Uh, I don't know if, uh, if Dr. Fabri is in the class. Well, this might relate to some of his points he made earlier. Other questions. Alehi referring to the sin? Interesting. Maybe. Why all of this in the first place? The idea of Khalifa Iblis adding the tree, the test. Uh, I need a, a more comprehensive question about understanding uh, Saudi, the, the, the question. And meanwhile, any other questions? We should also take a moment to talk about what is the power that Iblis has. How is it there in the garden? Option one or two in the first place. So, uh, Leith, I need to expand on that. Meaning, are you saying because he was kicked out or what? In fact, tell you what, let me see if I can figure out how to open your microphones again. Okay, so, so this relates to the point that chronologically, or are these three events happening chronologically or not? And, and my reading is that these are not necessarily happening chronologically. It's probably fair to assume that the announcement is happening first, but it may be that the other two parts of the story are happening more or less at the same time. Uh, they're also in, in about 15 eyes from now, uh, there's a story of the children of Israel and events that happened to them and we can make a very strong argument that that is also not chronological. So are the events not bounded by time? That's exactly what I'm saying uh, about paradise itself. But I'm also saying that the Quranic narrative is often not bounded by chronology. Because the Quranic narrative is often not giving us history as much as it's giving us lessons from moments in history. Any other questions? How do we distinguish sins that come from humans versus those that come from the guiles of shaitan? But I think, uh, uh, are you talking about sins or are you talking about temptations to sin? If we're talking about temptations to sin, then the uh, a way it's come, the difference is commonly expressed is that if it's a temptation coming from sins, then you say, that is stronger than shaitan, that knocks him away. Okay. Uh, but the way temptations or desires for sin come from the nafs is that it'll try multiple ways to make you fulfill it. So if you have, you know, this, this desire for, I don't know, think of some, some let's say saying bad words uh, or spreading gossip, uh, on the one hand, 
you might feel the desire just to say something nasty about someone. On the other hand, you might try to rationalize it by saying, I'm going to help some people. On the other hand, you get a thrill by saying such and such things. And the point I'm making is that it, uh, it happens. Uh, it comes from multiple, seemingly multiple forces from within you. Whereas shaitan, it's just one straight temptation that you can knock away. That's uh, a common understanding of the different distinction between the two. Uh, Basir, can you elaborate on Azalahum uh, Shaitan? Uh, that I don't really have much more to give you, except that it seems as though they, he made them forget that they're not supposed to go to the tree. Just to confirm, you said Allah saying, don't get near the tree, is emphasis on not even moving in that direction. The sin must be stopped at the root. Essentially, that's what I'm saying. So, zina, same language, don't even come near it in a way that's understood. Don't even come near unlawful fornication is then you're going on the verge of a very slippery slope. So don't even come near it. Um, another way to think about this is the story that we often narrate about the guy who killed 99 people. Then he goes to a monk and the monk says, and he asks the monk, is there any hope for me? No, you're doomed. And then the guy kills him. And then he finds a scholar and the scholar says, yeah, there's hope for you, but you got to get out of that town. And so there's the sin itself someone might indulge in, but if it's a sin that someone keeps falling into, then you want to look at what are the steps that are leading me to fall into that? And what are the steps that are leading me into those steps that, that lead me into that? Yeah. And, and so then you're getting closer and closer to figure out what is the root. And sometimes the root is, okay, get yourself out of that environment. Yeah. Um, what is the essential root? That we've talked about. What is the essential root? The need everyone has, which is to get closer to Allah. And if I don't know what that is, then I'm trying to fulfill it with some compens some compensating need, yearning, which could be, okay, I need to spend time with people. I need to buy something. I need to drink something. I need to eat something. And then I might regard, okay, that's unhealthy for me. So then I have another comp compensating need on top of that. And then I start creating these layers on my heart. And any other questions? So could the root for each sin be different for each person? So we're saying the core, core root is the same for everyone, the core yearning. But then moving beyond that first level, absolutely. Even two twins uh, can be different in that case. Yeah. Were the four interpretations of the word Jannah particular what it means in this verse, particular to what it means in this verse? Yeah. I mean, the garden here. Uh, so essentially what we're translating as them being in paradise, the garden of Eden, Adan. Uh, that's where the different interpretations uh, are that we share. Why all this in the first place? Why was it needed in the first place? The most fundamental question of them all. And the most fundamental answer, which will either be the most unsatisfying answer or the exact perfect answer or both, is that this was Allah's will. And that Allah Ta'ala, why do I exist? Me as Muzaffar, you know, it was Allah's will. And thus, not only did he choose for me to exist, he has also chosen that I have to do these particular things in life. And he's also chosen that I have to then face him on the day of judgment. And so what is our answer? We submit. This is the system that you have chosen. Um, and we also believe it wasn't arbitrary, but we submit. How can we make sense of these eyes if not in chronological order? I think, uh, I think we did a pretty good job, didn't we? You know, uh, frozen. Uh, I might be missing something uh, in your question. 
So what does it mean to be a Khalifa today? A oh, wonderful question. Let's, and we, I'm already, go, already going with the assumption that the FBI follows every single thing that I do. Uh, I still think the dominant meaning is an Islamic polity, but the particulars of the Islamic polity would be different. And so polity, I'm not limiting it to a government. I'm talking about something that is more in the essence of the air. So think of the American government as not existing without secularization. And so any sort of actual Islamic Khilafah would have to be preceded by some sort of renaissance. But uh, I don't think it's limited to that. I think it also uh, includes things like environment and all that. So uh, uh, Farazan says, I thought you said these events were, necess were not necessarily in chronological order. Okay, so I'm still confused about the question. Do we need to be concerned that the FBI is monitoring you? I mean, I, don't, I mean, maybe you can. I mean, I get tired of being concerned. I mean, let's face it. Okay. I teach Islamic studies. I'm Pakistani. Uh, but also, I also get pulled into with FBI agents and lawyers to do de-radicalization too. So it's a circle. I say this uh, more, uh, more about Renaissance. What does that look like? Uh, that is a wonderful question. And so the short version of my reading of this is that we're speaking of the dominance of an ethos in which the essence of it is a connection to Allah Ta'ala in the widest sense of the model of the Prophet, may peace be upon him, whether or not people embrace it themselves. In the same way that every single one of us in this call is secular, perhaps more than we might realize in terms of our ideas that relate to secularity. And so related to that is an emphasis on the self. So in terms of this Islamic Renaissance outlook, all these different points that we've been making through the course since Surah Al-Fatiha, this emphasis not only on Allah Ta'ala at the center, whether or not people are practicing is a different issue, this consciousness of our interrelationship with, with everyone else, uh, a sense of, of accountability. Is there an individual uh, obligation of Khilafah, meaning like Fard Ain? Is that what you're saying? Uh, that, uh, I think it depends on whom you ask. The people who are in the movement will say it's Fardain, but I don't know if it's a Fardain obligation. So what is the difference between Fardain versus Fardain? Fardain would be those things that are obligations upon each person, like the five pillars, speaking the truth. Uh, Fardain would be obligations on the community, and if anything, I would put it that, but that's a whole conversation on its own. So this class is not during Ramadan without figuring that part out. We're still not done. We still have more class tomorrow, even though we've completed the ayahs. You know, so those of you who are either crying tears of joy or tears of sorrow, we still have a bit more material to continue. Any other questions? Tomorrow we're going to get a little bit into Sharia, visiting this, revisiting this exact same story. Sorry, following up. Is the garden essentially different pre-fall and post-fall uh, or related to timelessness of the garden? So the difference here is where, as much as we can gather, is the story of Adam and Eve taking place? That's what we're, that's what we're addressing with this um, slide here. Yeah. And so where is that taking place? The majority opinion seems to be a specific part of paradise, yeah. which is different than where all of us, inshallah, will go directly, preferably not indirectly. That's Jannah itself. And the argument for why it's not the whole of paradise is this exact point that there's things they're not allowed to do, yet they have the capability of doing. 
So some people are saying, okay, no, that doesn't make sense. That would not be the same place that we're seeking to get to. Uh, but if you think about it in terms of actual relevance, it doesn't matter. Will we get to eat from the tree in Akira? That particular tree? Probably. I mean, I think we might even be able to taste from even bigger trees. Even, get ready for an uncle joke, even we will all have love for poetry, geometry. Okay, what's the final? Oh, uh, how do I give you the final? Give me one second here. So we have the final of Al-Fatiha that is done. Uh, uh, let's see. This is happening uh, relevant to Alastu, the event of Alastu Garabudu. Okay, hold on. Let me, so once again, I need your, oh wait, let me leave this up. And, <clears throat> I think I said, hold on, hold on, hold on, way too much here. You can keep typing questions, I can't see them at the moment. Um, And you can probably see me looking at my computer. So as you're going to see, the final is worth 100 points. This is just Al-Fatiha. The Al-Baqarah final is not done. And uh, there's also 10 points extra credit. And this is the first time I'm using Google Forms as a, as a quiz. So. Pardon me for anything that, uh, any glitches. Uh, let's see, send. Um, uh, here it is, okay. Okay, there's your Al-Fatiha quiz. If you want, we'll look, we'll, we'll look at it, uh, not today, we'll look at it maybe tomorrow or a different day, inshallah. Okay. And let me go back and look. Okay, Yasna says you can give exams from Google Forms. That's what I tried to do. Uh, it's just that um, uh, I might need Yasna to help me write the quiz. Uh, when is it due? I don't have a deadline yet. Uh, so let's tentatively say the day before Ramadan. Uh, can you get credit for this class? You will get credit, inshallah, with Allah Ta'ala. Um, any other questions? Can we elaborate on this? Uh, can we elaborate on the fact that you can get credit with Allah Ta'ala? Or not understanding? Do you follow the moon or calculations? Uh, I'm old school. I do, I do moon sighting. Any other questions about anything, anything at all? Okay, looks like the, the questions are finishing. Collaborate on the final. Oh, can you collaborate? Yes, you may. Every person must turn in their own final. You are welcome to use any and all notes, any humans, any other material. If you're using humans that are not part of this class, you're probably gonna get a wrong answer, even though your answer might technically be right. So essentially what I'm asking is, how closely have you gone through the material from the course? And so once again, the, what was the, the link, tiny URL? I think Romeo, this was your idea, so I, I took it, pandemic for on class for the previous recordings. Can you collaborate with me? You can try, you know. 
And my undergrads try to do that too, with varying degrees of failure. Okay, my question about jinns and angels. Uh, I missed your question. My son is asking, why don't those wonderful make shaitan shaitan if he's a bad person? One line, please. Wonderful question. And the answer is that he actually uh, allowed shaitan to be super awesome or super bad, and shaitan chose to be super bad. And so he gave him the freedom to choose. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. Okay, when is this event happening relative to the event of Alastu Birabikum? So, so that I have no clue, so I give you an educated guess. It seems as though Alastu Birabikum is happening in between the formation of Adam, peace be upon him, and the descent into the earth. That helps at all. Um, any other questions? Going once. Going twice. Okay. All right, inshallah. So we are continuing tomorrow because there's still another aspect to, to look at for this whole story, which you will find interesting. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafirka natuwi lake. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafirka natuwi lake. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafirka natuwi lake. Hannah says, you have one more question? No, tomorrow's not a holiday, sorry. He's asking, why can't you put the Prophet, peace be upon him, in books? Oh, in pictures. Well, if you think about it, if you, if you make a picture of the Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, uh, even though it did happen many times in history, but if you do make a picture of him, then you're saying that's what beauty is. But what happens to me if I don't look like that? I'm going to start thinking that I'm ugly. Because this is exactly what happened with depictions of Jesus, Isa alayhi salam, that they made him look white with light brown hair. And so that a lot of people thought, okay, that's more what beauty is rather than what we look like. And so that's one, one lesson to understand why we don't have pictures of the prophet. Does that make sense? Yeah. And yeah, yeah, Dr. Mahan, the question is being given by a seven-year-old. So I don't, I don't think he's interested in reading a, I mean, Safi's book yet. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I'll so reward you all, inshallah. And we're probably going to do at least one or two more rounds of the Jazakumullah. Across, across the class and prepare yourself. So I will see you all inshallah tomorrow. Wassalamu alaikum wa